The views and opinions expressed during this program do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of Cox Media Group Ohio. This hour is sponsored by There is a Season. I'm Storm Center 7 meteorologist Kirsty Zantini. We're watching the radar right now. If weather breaks, we break in immediately. You're on 1290 and 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk. And I'm Dayton's consumer warrior, Clark Howard. You're listening to an Ask the Expert weekend. There is a season Welcome to There is a Season, the show about how we change, how we age, and how we care for one another. I'm Bob Wolf, And I'm Gloria Shanahan. Thank you for joining us today. We appreciate you spending a little time with us, and we hope you will tell your friends and family about our show. As you know, our program covers a lot of ground in any given month or year as we try to get to the heart of the topics you care about most. These may include discussions about life transitions, you know, the how we change part of our tagline, and how we plan for and live through each season of our lives, the how we age part, and of course many shows about all the ways we care for our loved ones, young and old. Often that care is right in front of us in the opportunities to serve the people that we see every day, our parents or our children, our extended families and friends, our co-workers and neighbors. And if you listen to this program with any regularity, then it's likely you also care about our community, about what's happening to our society, good and bad. And consequently, you'll hear us talk about some local issues that are well-known and some others that are less well-known. And with that in mind, we've delved into some of our uh, more difficult local societal issues, including uh, the opiate crisis. A lot of people have uh, covered that here locally, but also uh, on the national level. Um, Addiction. We've had shows on that. We've talked about chronic loneliness. We've talked about depression and anxiety, teen suicide, uh, and a host of other issues that cause deep concern for many of us. And today there is one more. And this is usually where we offer a parental discretion advisory in case you've got younger kids hanging around and uh, some of this subject matter might be a little more serious than you'd want them to hear. So you have a few moments to... uh, to have them do something else, perhaps. Um, however, we might encourage teens and uh, younger uh, folks to listen, um, to continue to listen, because it's a topic uh, that is very important, I think, to families, and it's very important that people are aware of various aspects of this. Now, we've talked about it before. Once once on There is a Season, we welcomed Tanya Folks, who was the human trafficking liaison for the Montgomery County Sheriff's Office and the author-creator of The Cory Project, which will share more about with you shortly. She was with us here on the program about a year and a half ago and had much to say in illuminating the problem of human trafficking here in our area. Yes, and today we're going to revisit this topic. And we have here with us in our studio, uh, Renee Chase, who we um, are welcoming today to share with us her experience and her uh, professional role here in the human sex trafficking arena. She is a volunteer with Oasis House, which works with victims and survivors of human trafficking. Now, the Oasis House is located inside the Life Enrichment Center on Finley Avenue in Dayton, Ohio. Renee travels and speaks to various groups, special events, as well as faith-based organizations. She helps coordinate the volunteer program and the street outreach and is a board member at Oasis House. She began her journey 
with human trafficking approximately four years ago and has been with the Oasis House for about three years now. Her love and passion for the girls who are here on the streets in our community is what motivates her to work hard to spread the message of unconditional love and restoration to these women that are victims of sexual trafficking. Welcome to There is a Season. Thank you. We're glad to have you on here. We are. (laughs) So, you know, as we were talking with Tanya about this uh, a while ago, Tanya Folks, one thing that, of course, uh, I think shocks most people is not just the statistics. Sometimes those numbers come out, whether they're national or regional or local or whatever, and some people are amazed by that. Um, But on the other side, a lot of people don't know about things like Oasis House. They don't even know it exists. Right. And they don't know that there's a concentrated problem, even in certain areas of our, our local market here. Uh, so there's a lot to reveal in this topic. But why don't we start a little bit by talking about you uh, personally. How did you get involved in this? What made you uh, get uh, caught up in working with Oasis House? <laughs> I was able to hear um, David Batstone speak, and he wrote a book called Not for Sale. And I picked it up on a Saturday evening, and I stayed up that whole night and read it. It just... Um, rocked my world and I couldn't get enough information. And as I learned more, I learned what a problem it was right here in my own backyard. I live in Brookville, but this this affects every area outside of Dayton, just because I'm not in the city of Dayton and Dayton's our backyard. And so I wanted to learn how to do more and found out about Oasis House and uh, have been with them ever since. And a lot of people might think this is a big city problem. But as you say, there, it, it shows up in many, many different areas of the country. And, and uh, w- you know, whether it coincides with uh, Dayton being in a position of the crossroads of America and all that, that may have something to do with it. Certainly is a big factor in the opiate trade. Um, but it is what it is. And, and so it's a big enough case here to, to have some focus. And Oasis House has been on the front lines of trying to uh, to deal with some of this and minister to it. So tell us a little bit about that organization. So Oasis House began in 2005. And at that time, um, real quick, just a uh, lady on Dixie Drive had walked into a church there on North Dixie Drive and needed some assistance. Long story short, those women um, at the church were able to help her and they saw that there was a need. Um, for other women who were in the area who were working in the strip clubs at that time. At that time, there were over 19 strip clubs and sexually oriented businesses. And so they would go into the clubs and make them dinner and just be with the women and help them with their basic needs and love on them. And um, that's just how they how they came to meet them. And then fast forward now, we are at the Life Enrichment Center on Finley, like you said. We moved out of the Dixie area um, just because we felt it was safer for the women to be able to come see us without so many eyes on them. And that's how we ended up there. And and obviously now, because of everything that's happened, there's no strip clubs left over there. And our area now that we concentrate in is more in the downtown, outside of the downtown area. And so we are able to offer complete assistance to women free of charge. And we offer offer two safe houses as well where they can live with us free of charge. And you've only uh, already been around uh, 15 years. Yes. Which, again, kind of stunned me because I yes. remember vaguely hearing something about this years ago. Right. right. Yeah. I, I only learned about Oasis House in the fall when Renee came to speak at an organization <laughs> I belong to. So yeah. 
there still is a lot of work to do to spread the word. There is still much work. I am amazed how many people still haven't heard about us or even where we're located inside the Life Enrichment Center, which is an amazing asset for our, our city. And so that's my mission is just to speak in front of anyone who will listen and let them uh, listen about Oasis House and all we do because it is a blessing because everything we do does not cost and we offer no judgment and we are able to help these women with every need they have from physical, mental, uh, basic needs, food and shelter. Without being too specific, uh, you had mentioned that you had moved the, the center off of a, the Dixie Drive area, but are there certain regions or certain parts of this area which are more uh, known or more prone to the trafficking activity? There are, and obviously for reasons, I wouldn't tell you exactly what streets I'm on or anything like that, but I am in the East Dayton area a lot. That's predominantly where I am. There are areas on North Main and Salem, um, and so we try to hit those three areas um, as much as we can to get out with the women to let them know that we're here and that we are um, able to take care of their needs. So we'll get a little bit more into the, you know, the whys and the who's of the trafficking. But when you say that's where you are, you might want to share just a little bit quickly about what you actually do in your role. You're out there on the streets, correct? I am. So I have a great team that I go out with. There's four of us generally that will go out on a time. And what we do um, on the streets is we will just um, stop and talk to any woman that's walking and just let her know about Oasis House and offer her what's called a random act of kindness bag. And it will have like water, granola bars, um, toiletry items, just anything that a woman would need, basic needs. Uh, We do have information in there about Oasis House. In the winter, we try to have socks and gloves for the women, whatever they might need. We were able to give out sleeping bags last week, which was amazing. We have never had someone donate Uh, sleeping bags like that. So we got out there when it was really cold and we were able to give the girls sleeping bags. And so we just talked to them and I might only have 30 seconds with them. I might have three minutes. It just depends on how that night's going. Some of them know me and recognize me. Um, Some of them I'm just getting to learn to know. And uh, they know that those bags are are there to help them. And um, if they can get to our center, then we're able to help them even further. Other than the change in uh, locale, what else has changed I- I- in terms of this whole problem in the in the 15 years or so that Oasis has well, uh, been familiar with it? I haven't, obviously I haven't been with it since the beginning, but I can tell you what I have seen in the last few years, and especially actually since last fall, I really saw an uptick in the, um, the drug use. It has obviously always been there, but I felt like last fall, um, the violence was a little bit more. The drug use was a little bit more. I, it's hard to explain if you're not out there, but just the, um, the fear that these women have right now. And we know in our area that we have a drug problem. And, you know, people will say, like, there's statistics, like you said, and we don't want to get bogged down in those. Like, Ohio is number four for human trafficking. No one really knows that. But I personally believe we are definitely up there in the top ones because these girls are are easily accessible because of 70 and 75 and the proximity to downtown. There's a lot to get into here. Uh, you know, why is there trafficking? Who controls it? Who perpetuates it? Uh, are there ways the trafficking can be stopped before it starts? Uh, also, what are some signs of someone you might suspect Uh, who could be in a human trafficking situation. We're going to cover all of that today and learn more about Oasis House 
their mission, and how you can help today. All this and much, much more, plus your questions for our guest, Renee Chase, when we continue at 937-457-1290, 457-1290, when we come back. You are listening to There is a Season on 1290 and 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk. It's our Ask the Experts weekend on the Miami Valley Radio Station with breaking news, weather and traffic, 1290 and 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk. It's an Ask the Experts weekend on Dayton and Springfield's 24-hour news, weather and traffic station, 1290 and 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk. Welcome back to There is a Season. I'm Bob Wolf. And I'm Gloria Shanahan. 457-1290 is our number today as we discuss the very human side of trafficking in our area with Renee Chase, who is with Oasis House here in Dayton. 457-1290 with your questions and comments. We've just barely gotten into this here and talked a little bit about regions of this uh, area which have been, have been affected or there's a concentration of this kind of activity. We've talked a little bit about Oasis House and how they got their start and where they are today. And we've got uh, a lot more to get into. So we'll go through this as quickly as we can. And, and uh, hopefully there's something here that catches your, uh, your attention. And uh, if you have a question, give us a call. Like Laurie said, 457-1290. Okay. So while we were on break, we were talking about there's a lot of myths out there about trafficking, yes. uh, a wide range of myths. And so why don't you expose some of those for us today? Well, some of the ones that are more prevalent um, are that these children are being just snatched off the streets and out of parking lots. Why, yes, that does happen. And I think that is more the case in other countries. And certainly there's kidnappings here. But for someone who is going to um, use a girl for human trafficking, a lot of times that's a grooming process, whether it be a Romeo effect where they, you know, an older man might show her attention. Um, the other myth that we hear, and I, I get a lot of these on my Facebook page, is, um, well, if you see a zip tie on your mirror in your car in a parking lot, like you're being targeted, or if there's a certain paper under your windshield wiper, and and the the fact is that those are really myths. We don't we don't have that. I've I personally have never heard of that. Um, maybe law enforcement could say they had, but I I do believe they believe that's a myth as well. They are not going to target. Um, I've had women and, and when I speak said, you know, I, someone was kind of watching me pretty closely in the parking lot and, or, you know, and, and I don't want to hurt anyone's ego. And I, I tell them like, you're beautiful, but they're not looking at you to use you for trafficking. You're talking about because of the age, because of the age, they right. are going after the girls who are vulnerable, who have vulnerabilities. And so they're runaways. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe they're in the foster care system, uh, social media, those type of things. And you said social media is really the area where parents need to really be monitoring their girls' social media use. They do. And we could could do a whole five hours on social media and the ways that um, they are able to get in contact with these girls. But I just, my biggest thing that I tell parents when I'm speaking, and I am by no means an expert on human trafficking. I I have um, done education in that, but I, I never claim to be an expert. But I do tell parents, Please watch what your kids are doing on social media. Who are they talking to? Are there secret apps under the calculator app maybe? I mean, there's all kinds of apps that kids nowadays can download and you don't even know. Right. And kids might, you know, like you said, know who they're talking to because they may not see the danger at all because these um, traffickers are so, shall I say, slick. 
Oh, very, very slick. Very. And they, you know, they may even what promise them a cell phone or you yes. know a pedicure or a manicure, and then it's a slippery slope. It is a slippery slope, and so. One thing that I I tell parents too is just have a really open conversation with your kids that if they do something or take a picture or they engage in a conversation that is now maybe being used against them, that even if they've done that, it's okay. Like they can fix it because I think kids get so um, wrapped up in that, oh my goodness, I've made one little mistake to another mistake. And now I'm in too deep and it can't be And they fixed. don't tell anybody. And they don't tell anyone. And, right. and children can't reason at that age the long-term, you know, consequences and how parents can help. So I heard someone um, in a training I did in November and it blew me away. They said, we are giving eight-year-olds cell phones now. And in that, in that iPhone, there's more technology than there was at the time they put the um, rocket on the moon. Wow. And that just blew me away. Now, whether that's true or not, he was an expert on on technology, but think about that and what what we're putting in the hands of our children. Yeah, this may seem uh, semantic, but there, are, you know, language matters in our in our culture, and people sometimes come up with new terms for old things, or they try to bend or twist this and that. If people have heard the term trafficking and they've heard the term prostitution, is there a difference, and why do we have the word trafficking now? There, What's different? there is, and this can. This is something where um, I really talk to people, and I want them to be sensitive because when you are looking at trafficking versus prostitution, trafficking is when someone's using force, fraud, or coercion to um, to make these girls work, and then they're taking their money or whatever it is that they've earned, or they're trading them. And prostitution, I look at those girls um, who are on the streets, especially the ones that I talk to. I look at them as child victims who were just never rescued. We didn't get to them in time. And so maybe that's all these women know. And so for them, maybe they didn't have a choice. Maybe prostitution was their only choice to survive. We don't know. My guess is you and I have never had to make the decisions that some of these women have. And, and they, may, they may not seem as coerced or forced now, right. but at one point. They, and at they one were. point, yeah. They felt it, that it was necessary even. They did to right. get what they needed to survive. Right. Much more ahead here with Renee Chase as we talk about human trafficking in our area. If you'd like to get in on the conversation, here's the number to call, 457-1290. 937-457-1290 when we come back after the news. You are listening to There is a Season on 1290 and 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk. Welcome back to There is a Season, the show about how we change, how we age, and how we care for one another. I'm Bob Wolf. And I'm Gloria Shanahan. Thanks for joining us today. 937-457-1290 is the number if you have something to share or a question to ask. Our guest today, Renee Chase, who is a volunteer with Oasis House in Dayton. Much to get into today. Again, so 457-1290, we'll welcome this first caller. Welcome to There is a Season. What is your question today? Sandy? I'm looking for a child that was born on on um, February 29th and turns one years old. And I will turn 18 years old, and I would like to invite them to my party. Well, I'm not sure uh, not sure what we can do there, but if you want to hang on, we'll get your number and we'll give you someone uh, give you a call back to see if we can help you solve okay. your problem. Thanks. 
Okay. All right. So there's a lot we want to try to get to in this next uh, segment here. So we're going to go fairly quickly without trying to rush you too much. But we've divided this into kind of three different buckets. And one has to do with the market itself. Who are the people who are controlling this uh, trafficking activity? And who are the customers? You know, let's start with that right there. Well, um, who are controlling it are usually the um, what we call them dope boys or the drug runners. So they are um, using these women to to possibly move the drugs around to control them with drugs. Um, if you think about it, a drug dealer needs to constantly be replenishing his supply, whereas he if he runs a, a woman, we say, and t- tells her she has a certain quota, then he can sell her 25, 30 times a day and not have to go get more product, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So that is, that's who's controlling them. They use force, um, they use violence, they use threat of telling their families. A lot of the girls I work with have children, and so maybe he's the only way that she can go see her children. Um, they threaten their children, um, whatever it might be. Again, the, these girls have had to make decisions you and I won't ever have to make. Are the controllers generally already within uh, involved in ongoing criminal activity before they ever decide to become a controller? Yes. Is it rare to find someone having a, I hate to sound crude about this, but no. like a side business doing this? Right. You right. mentioned a couple of things when we were talking before the show mm-hmm. about uh, one couple that uh, I think at a church and so yes, forth, but yeah. generally these are people who are focused on criminal criminal activity. They are. You've got that group, and then you've got the ones who will groom them. Which again, that's on social media, and the grooming takes takes place. And and what people need to realize is these men, a lot of times, they can look just like normal people, and for whatever reason, they they have decided to take this and do this. So you've got the drug boys, but you do you have the the regular people where we've had a couple of those instances where couples had groomed girls in regular situations just right here in Dayton. So that's who's running it, who's buying it. Um, If we're going to be really honest, it's middle-aged white men. And um, it might shock people to know we are generally out between 11 and 1 in the afternoon and 5 to 7 at night. The reason we are is because that's when generally men can go and take a long lunch break or they can stop uh, on their way home from work. And they can purchase a girl for sex and still make it home in time for soccer practice for their kids. If we're being really honest, that's who, that's who is buying these women because they look at them as expendable, as damaged. Um, they they don't they look at them as a piece of property that they purchased, and they have the right to do whatever they want to these women. And so they shoehorn this into the regular you know day in their family life and exactly. a break from work and so forth is yes. another activity. Yeah, and so eleven to one. We are out on the streets and five to seven, we are out on the streets because that's when the girls are out the most and that's when more is happening. Not that, you know, middle of the night thing or the midnight hour. No, I mean, that does happen for sure. Right. But yeah, we are going to focus um, to try to be out to protect our girls from 11 to one and five to seven. Now, as you mentioned there, this this idea of people prowling up and down, whether it was Dixie or Main Street in the old days and, you know, uh, mm-hmm. the, the typical John, you know, mm-hmm. who would be looking for uh, prostitute or something in the middle, right. in the dark yes. hours and so forth. Um, that If that's not, I mean, that you say that still goes on, but um, the, the idea that this has sort of become mainstreamed probably strikes people as really odd. It does. I'm sure. And so, and I know human trafficking, those two words have kind of become a a buzzword lately, but I don't want people to look at it as that way. I just think that people are finally more aware of what's going on. Um, And I hope that people are seeing the women 
as victims instead of criminals. I mean, we will arrest these girls 30, 40 times and no one thinks to ask, can I help you? Why are you doing this? I mean, it, we ne- all need to just slow down and look around us. You know, you can look for signs that, you know, if a young girl is dressed inappropriately and she's with an older man and that's definitely not her father, maybe take a few minutes and just watch. It doesn't do any harm to call the local hotline here and just have it checked out. Again, that it's just slowing down, taking the time to watch what's around us. You mentioned the girls themselves, the women themselves getting uh, involved with law enforcement and getting arrested and so forth. But what about what about the customers or what about the controllers? Do these people ever get arrested? Is there? I mean, sometimes it used to be that the the the, the John who, who yes. patronized the uh, prostitute sometimes had the picture put in the paper, right? You right. know, and and so forth. And was, there was a certain shame to all of that. But aside from even whether that's done anymore. Uh, what happens in terms of law? Do people get caught? They do. And a lot of times what happens and what's happened in the past, now I, now I do believe things are changing, but what's happened in the past is they would get caught, the man would get a ticket, he'd still make it home in time for dinner, maybe just a few minutes late, and she would get hauled off to jail. And again, looked at as a criminal, whereas we need to look at her as a survivor, as someone we can help, and that's where Oasis House comes in. We can go, we are in the jail systems. Um, when I say we're everywhere, we are. We're a small army of volunteers. We only have three people paid on staff. So this is all done through volunteers who want to love these women and who 100% will never judge them. Absolutely no judgment because, again, these are child victims who were just never rescued. You've touched on a number of things that may be contributing factors to why. Mm-hmm. What is the, the, the What are some of the biggest factors of what's going on in these women's uh, lives that create this opportunity? You can have um, maybe girls who ran away. Um, for exen- example, I met Allie about a year and a half ago on uh, the streets of a um, of Dayton here outside of a business off of Stanley Avenue. She had been beaten so bad. And um, I took her a care package, introduced myself. I'd never seen her before and she was new. And what happening? what was happening at home was worse than... Um, her living in the abandoned car wash at that time next to McDonald's. She would rather live out on the streets, sell herself, unfortunately, and do that rather than face what was at home. And that, so you have that, you have the foster care system um, that they're just overloaded. And then you have girls who just made one little mistake, maybe on social media that led to another, that led to another. So there's so many so many factors. You refer to the foster care system, just so we don't, you know, because a lot of people may have good impressions of what goes on right. through that. So, so what happens in that situation when you say they're overloaded? Well, a lot of times they just have um, so many children that they're trying to keep track of. Obviously, there is a huge need for foster care parents. So if you have uh, maybe kids who are living in a group home or who aren't being checked on as you know regularly as if you had just a mom and a dad in in the house. So nothing against the the foster care workers. It's just we as a society have put so much burden on those workers and other people. And instead of saying, you know, what can I do to help? Because this is our community. This is our backyard. And if you think just because you live in West Milton, Inglewood, Clayton, Brookville, it's not going to affect you. It already has, and it does. And what I'm hearing loud and clear here is group home, doesn't matter what city, what roof you live under, it all boils down to the access 
on the device. It does. That your girl yes. has. Yes, it does. We, you have it's not to like just they're coming and mindful. grabbing them from these no, homes. No, they group are homes. grooming them. They, right. It's an actual grooming process. And again, they are preyed on by vulnerabilities. So this girl will begin to share. Maybe she's not getting along with her mom. Maybe there's fighting in the home. And so then they will prey on that. And so um, these girls then think they found someone who will listen to them, who will take care of them, who will buy them dinner, who, you know, if you can just come meet up with me. And then they get there and, you know, it's a 40-something-year-old man and he takes her and they're gone. You know, there's a, a great documentary, PBS, it's called Sex Trafficking. I encourage everyone to watch it. It is normal girls who just kind of made one little mistake and one girl was gone for four years before she could um, get rescued essentially well that gets us to another question because a lot of people will think gosh we have we have our cell phones we have uh, myriad ways to communicate we have uh, mobility and so forth why don't these women leave for threat of violence against maybe their children their family um, and in a lot of cases, maybe pictures or videos have been taken and they've been threatened to expose them to their family. They've also isolated them a lot of times from any contact from anybody they used to know. So these girls might feel like this is this uh, trafficker is the only one who's going to take care of them. If you think about the two basic needs we have are food and shelter and they will they give them that whether it be for a couple hours and a Subway sandwich. But that is basic needs. And so that's where Oasis House steps in and we can take care of their basic needs. And so they don't have to feel like they have no nobody to love them or listen to them. That's where we offer no judgment. Absolutely just love on them and let them rest and heal. You offer what showers, some clean clothing, maybe we, a hot meal. We do. So this is where we rely heavily on donations, um, friend raisers, anything like that that can bring in funds or items. So we do the random act of kindness bags, but we also have our center, which is um, at the top of the life enrichment center. And we have showers. We offer the women um, new clean clothes to put on. Maybe they're not ready to come off the streets. Maybe they just need a meal. So we can, we don't have a kitchen there, but we can make them a microwavable meal. We have rocking chairs. They can just sit and rock. Maybe they want to talk. Maybe they don't. They have been so abused and neglected and no trust that we're just there to build the trust and listen. And if they don't want to talk to us, that's fine. Do you find, um, not to play the cynic here, but you know, when people have talked about drug education, for instance, it's been going on for years in the school. We've had the D.A.R.E. program and so mm -hmm. forth. And there's still an awful lot of kids who are abusing alcohol and drugs. We have a society that abuses alcohol and drugs of all kinds. Uh, is there a dedicated focus? I mean, there's been more social media education. Mm -hmm. They've talked about sexting their new policies in schools and so forth. But do you think that this is an area um, where the schools play a role or any programs should go through the schools? What's out there currently in this area that talks about this? Absolutely. You mentioned Tanya folks earlier. I say she is like the rock star of our area, what she's doing in her education. Um, if you ever can go listen to her speak and um, if you can go to any kind of trainings, I mean, I, I travel all around to different, any training I can go to and attend, I do because this is ever changing. So it is just getting, getting yourself in front of education and it needs to be in our schools. I know some people will argue about that, but my personal, and that's just my personal um, belief is we need to be talking to these children because you can't reason at age 12 the same way you reason at age 22. 
And so they don't understand the long-term consequences. So get into the schools though earlier. I do. I do believe, I mean, we don't have to go real young, but we need to let these kids know that just if you make a mistake, it's okay. I think so many kids, they believe they have been led to believe, well, now you've sent this video. Now you've done this. You're going to do this for me. And they meet up and then they're, you know, trafficked or abused and, and it can happen. And, and the child can still be in school or go home, you know, go home to it. We, we had that. We've had a couple of cases of that where a girl was still in school and she was 15, but violence was being um, used against her parents who were on disability. And she didn't want to be the reason she thought that her parents would get in trouble. So it is, um, there's a, di- a lot of different ways they can manipulate these girls. And I know I've said it, but if you haven't had to make the choices they have, you don't know what that would be like. We've got more ahead here when we come back. We'll try to uh, squeeze in a few more things about how to get in touch with Oasis House and uh, also how to uh, talk uh, with Renee if you'd like to have her come and make a presentation in your environment or perhaps your school. So uh, all of that is still ahead. So stick with us as we wrap up this topic today about human trafficking. And uh, we'll have more on this in just a moment. You are listening to There is a Season on 1290 and 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk. The Miami Valley's only radio station for 24-hour breaking news, weather and traffic. 1290 and 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk. When the Miami Valley gets hit with breaking news, severe weather, or traffic tie-ups, depend on us for up-to-the-minute information. 1290 and 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk. Welcome back to There is a Season. I'm Bob. And that's, I'm Gloria. That's Gloria, and that's Renee. <laughs> Just going to save us some time here. Uh, coming up here in the next several weeks, we're going to do a show here on the role of faith in America today and also talk about careers later in life. But we have just a little bit more today to talk about uh, human trafficking with Renee Chase. And you had a point you wanted to make that's uh, very timely here about uh, our area. Yeah, just with um, people probably hear about the uptick in human sexual trafficking around big events, whether it be a conference or a sporting event. So, you know, is that true? It is and true. And how can people look out for that? People just locally? need to take a minute. If something doesn't seem right, again, we said it before, if a girl's dressed inappropriately, maybe she's with an older man, um, doesn't want to make eye contact, um, anything like that. If you even feel like something's wrong, we have those little hairs on the back of our neck. We have that little voice. And sometimes I think we push it down because we're too much in a hurry. So I just plead with people to take a second, slow down. We have a local number that they can call and you're not interfering in anyone's business. And that number is 225-4357. Let law enforcement handle it, but you can stay there. You can make a difference. If we can just get one child off the street, one woman off the street, then that's a win. So that's the uh, 225-4357. That's the 225 help number that the uh, sheriff's office has. Um, You can also check out Oasis uh, on Facebook, correct? Oasis House. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter. And um, what are are your biggest, and we've only got about a minute here uh, left. Can you tell us quickly, what are some of your biggest obstacles at this point? Uh, We need grant writers. That's always a huge thing because we are 100% donation-based. So we rely on individuals and corporations, uh, friend raisers where I can come and speak. And um, it really can be an uplifting time, an educational time. And and then um, just the fundage and items. There's always a wish list. And so we keep that updated. 
In about 10 seconds, tell us what is the one thing you want people to take away from this? I'm going to give you two. Number one, there's no such thing as a child prostitute. And number two, these women who are on the streets, they were child victims who were never rescued. They are somebody's daughter and they were loved. And that's why we're here. Powerful information and and powerful thought to leave uh, everybody with today. Appreciate you being here. Thank you for letting us come and speak. Anytime, anytime. Check out the website at thereisaseasonshow.com. We'll have a podcast from this program up in just a few days. That'll do it for us today. Remember, dear friends, seek grace in every step and never regret growing older. It is a privilege denied to many. We're here for each other and we're here for you. For my dear friend and co-host Gloria Shanahan, for our guest Renee Chase from the Oasis House organization and our producer and everyone who makes the show possible. Thank you for your time, attention, and interest to what we do here. We'll see you again soon. You've been listening to There's a Season on 1290 at 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk. Have a blessed week. From our downtown Dayton McAfee Heating and Air Studios, WHIO AM Dayton, WHIO FM Pleasant Hill, a Cox Media Group station.